following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. All right, well, it is the first Sunday in Lent. We almost always use the lectionary during Lent, but we've been using it all year now, so your, your lectionary muscles have already been flexed for several months. Um, but uh, I would encourage you, in addition to any other reading that you might be doing uh, in the Bible, to uh, use the lectionary in the week leading up to Sunday to find some scripture passages, passages that you can read or study or reflect on or use in prayer. And uh, so many people have told me when we've used the lectionary that that is a great preparation for worship on Sundays. And uh, if you don't know how to find the lectionary, you can just Google the word lectionary and it's the first result. Um, and also on the website the, for the series that we're running, you can click through and find the scripture passages that way. Um, or tap through if you're on mobile, I guess. And uh, I want to begin today by reading the gospel uh, reading for the first Sunday in Lent in this year, and it's uh, from Mark, um, what is it again? Mark 1, 9 through 15. I didn't write down the things in my notes. Uh, and if you're reading in these red Bibles, you'd go to page 812 to find this, or you can just listen as I read this story. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. So one of the things that I had... Uh, suggest that you do when you're trying to study the Bible. If you want to learn more about the Bible, if you want to be shaped by God in your reading of the Bible, one of the really uh, very interesting things you can try to do, and one of the best study techniques I have learned, is to read a text, say, for example, this one, and then look for connections between that text and other parts of the Bible. Um, we've occasionally done this together on Sundays. Uh, we do it often in studio, which is our large group spiritual formation gathering that happens on the second Sunday uh, of each month, right here at, in this room at 5 p.m. And um, this particular way of studying the Bible is a little bit tricky if you're very new to the Bible, for obvious reasons. If you've only read a little bit of the Bible, it's kind of hard to make connections to other parts of it. Uh, but if you do it in community with each other, you can kind of begin to, to catch on a little bit. And of course, the more you read the Bible the more connections you'll be able to make. And I will also say this to those of you who may be thinking, I barely have ever opened the Bible. I'm no good. Time for me to check out. You are the ones who will make the best connections. I promise. <laughs> I promise you will be. Um, and uh, not every child can really like engage in this uh, as well as some can, but some kids have come up with the best connections ever. I remember Ethan... Um, uh, Proctor, uh, <laughs> one 
studio just gave this connection that like the whole, all the adults in the room were like, whoa. <laughs> so don't sell yourself too short and begin the process of, of studying the Bible and looking at these connections. And I thought it might be fun to spend a little bit of time this morning looking at connections between this passage from Mark's gospel um, and other parts of the Bible. Now, you, you can do this, it's open, blank slate, but I want to specifically suggest that we look at the links between this story of Jesus' baptism and the account from Genesis that uh, Joe and Clara read during the children's moment this morning about the ark and the rainbow. And if you, um, even if you don't know the Bible at all, you probably have heard the story of Noah's ark, even if you've only ever considered it, you know, kind of derisively, <laughs> you at least know enough about it to, to, uh, to joke about it, right? Um, <clears throat> so if you want to flip back to Genesis 9, 8 through 17, you can take a minute and do that. That's easy to find. It's only six pages into the Bible. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. You just count up to nine. You don't even have to get to double digits. And uh, you'll find this passage. And it may be that you know the story well enough that you know some of the other details of this story because it wasn't the whole account of the, of the flood that we heard this morning. So, I thought we might just work on this together a little bit. You have now permission to shout out uh, connections that you see between the story that I just read from Mark 1, the baptism of Jesus, and the story that was read earlier of the flood account and the rainbow. So who sees a connection? The dove. Was the dove in the Genesis account we read this morning? It wasn't, but there is a dove. There is a dove in the account of the flood, isn't there? Tell us about the dove really quickly, would you, Tim? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Noah sends a dove out to see if, if the waters have receded enough that there's land that they could, they could hit. Yeah, and, bring, and the dove brings a, a, a stick, you called it, back. Yeah, yeah. What was it? Was it an olive branch? Interesting. That's a great connection. And the dove, the dove, of course, descends on Jesus after the baptism. I wonder what the connection between those two things might be. One of the reasons I think this is super interesting to do with New Testament passages is that uh, the early Christians who were at these accounts, who, who read these accounts, were at first all devout Jewish believers. So they would have known all of the stories of Torah, of the, uh, of the Hebrew Bible, and they would have seen this interesting kind of fulfillment. So fulfillment is not just like there's this prophecy uh, about, you know, a donkey and Jesus rides a donkey, so that's, that's a fulfillment. There is that, but there's also stuff like this where when the dove descends on Jesus, they couldn't have helped but think about the dove from the flood account. Good, good connection. Thank you. Other ones? Uh, covenant. Okay. Where do you see a covenant? We, we, we heard the word covenant a number of times in the Old Testament reading. Tell me where you see it in the story of the baptism of Jesus. Yeah. Yep. Sure. So the, the voice of God saying, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased, that's, that's like an establishment of a covenant. Just like God said, he was establishing a covenant with Noah and his family and all of the earth. All flesh, as it said in the NRSV repeatedly. Yeah. Other interesting connections. Yes, James. 
Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. You went, you twisted and turned it there. I like that. So um, the 40 days, Jesus is driven out into the wilderness uh, for 40 days. And that's, that's evocative of, what did you say? That's okay. No, no. I, don't, don't adjust what you're saying. Tell me what you said. Yeah. No, that's, that's exactly the kind of thing that's fun to do. So you connect it with um, the, the water here, with the, the water of the flood story, and then with the birth of Moses and the 40 years in the wilderness, right? So 40 years, 40 days, that kind of thing. Let's go with water, yeah. Water, there's water in both. Good. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, the heavens torn apart by the Spirit in the baptism and the heavens opened up with rain for the flood. Of course, that was just the, uh, the, the hard firmament that's part of creation opening up so that the waters above could fall down to the waters below. Right. No, just um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 yeah I'm, I'm, ev- I'm evoking the creation story. Great. Oh, I like that. The, the tearing open of the sky. That's an interesting image. I wonder where else we'd find that in Scripture. So sometimes you draw a line between two things and you have a line. If you draw a line with a third thing, now you have a shape. <laughs> or maybe you have a trajectory. Right. Very interesting. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. The, the water is a, that's a huge one in Scripture. We could go all over the Bible and find water stories. And so, as you say, sometimes it's the thing that protects life. Sometimes it's the thing that takes away life. And the idea of Moses being put in a basket as a little baby and floated down the Nile, um, you know, there's very, very much uh, his own arc, yeah, if you will. Right. Doug? Hmm. Coming out of water puts you right in the center of the story of what God's doing. Interesting observation. We could go all, all over the water with that, too. Interesting connection. The, Jesus being uh, submerged or immersed in water. And then the whole creation being submerged in water. That's, a, that's a, an even more specific water connection there. Yeah, cool. So here's the thing. With each one of these, I'll come to you in just a second. With each one of these, we could, we could spend like 3, 4, 5, 10, 20 minutes just drilling down on that and saying, okay, what, what, what does that connection mean to me? What is, what is God saying to me in the observe, observation of that connection? And where else do we see it so we can make a shape rather than a line, that kind of thing. And I think we could do that with that type of thing as well. Yeah, Corey. The what now? The reemergence. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, Jesus coming up out of the water, right? And uh, Noah and his family coming up out and being being saved from the waters of the flood. Yeah. Or the opposite, what did you say? Yeah. Right, times when the waters part away from you as when the Israelites cross the Red Sea. Yeah. Jesse. Yeah, the emotional trial that comes after the after the flood, waters recede, and then after this amazing moment with with the Father that Jesus has, and then out into the wilderness to have this kind of um, challenging or depressive kind of experience. Yeah, and boy, that could teach us a lot about what happens to us sometimes when we've had a very intense spiritual experience with God. Sometimes it like I think it, it, it sort of uh, recalibrates our soul in a way that's not, not always helpful because we expect the normal to be up, you know, with the needles up here. And then when we go back to what might be more typical or normal, it feels, feels terrible. And sometimes it does send us even further into the depths. Yeah. Well, um, would you believe that we are we're like out of time already? probably passed out of time. I just looked at the clock and go, whoa. So <clears throat> for me, this is incredibly interesting. And I, I, if it's not for you, I apologize. It's over. <laughs> uh, but I do hope that it inspires you to think more and think more deeply about the scriptures, not just as something that you can kind of download into your brain database, but as something that, will, um, that you can immerse yourself in and submerge yourself in and which will change you and teach you and draw you closer to God and to each other. I do want to read one, one more passage of Scripture today. This is the epistle reading that the lectionary assigns to us. And it's 1 Peter three eighteen through 22. If you want to flip ahead, you can go ahead and do that, 984. But I'll just read it here for you. 1 Peter three eighteen through 22. I guess that's 985, not 984, sorry. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey when God waited patiently in the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is eight, persons were saved through water. And baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. Now listen, like this is a dense, dense passage of scripture that I'm just going to drop and like walk away from. Um, but there's a lot there. I mean, Peter makes some of those connections that we've made, and maybe in ways that we didn't necessarily expect. And what's that business about? What was it? Made a proclamation to the spirits in prison. Go look up in, on Wikipedia 
the harrowing of hell. It's a very interesting Christian doctrine that comes from this text um, and sort of sneaks its way into the Apostles' Creed when we say he descended to the dead or uh, some versions of it say he descended into hell. And um, what does that mean exactly? So uh, we can't go down that road, but it's another thing that you could maybe be inspired to go and look more closely at. But all of, this, all of this beauty, all these water things, all the stuff happening in the sky, doves and rainbows and arcs and baptisms, the voice of God, the promises of God, the covenant that God makes with us and with creation, it's all kind of like this beautiful tapestry. And sometimes it feels good and is, and is right just to just to kind of sit in front of it like you would sit in front of a work of art in a museum. And you don't have to figure everything out. You don't have to know what every little part of it means. Sometimes it's enough to sit and be in awe of what God has done and said. So let's pray and give thanks to God for these scriptures. Lord, thank you for meeting us in your word. And we pray that as we return to it, Again and again, this week, this month, this year, and throughout our lives, that we would meet your Holy Spirit there, that you would be stimulating our hearts and our minds toward deeper understanding, toward greater love, and toward your grace, which changes the world and saves us. We give you thanks. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, I want to invite you to come as we sing another song together to receive Holy Communion. At Artisan, we practice communion every week, and we practice an open table, which means that you don't have to be a member of our church to take communion because this table is not our table. It's the table of the Lord. Uh, your, your kids, if they're down in the classrooms, can take communion with you. If uh, you prefer that they don't, please get them right after you take communion, because I think their time is probably coming to an end as well. And I'll remind you that there's a member of the prayer team who would be happy to pray with you right now also. So I invite you to come and respond to the Spirit, however the Spirit may be speaking to you this morning. Let's continue to worship God in song, in sacrament, and in prayer. Thanks be to God. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.